All right. Uh, welcome, everyone. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Crack on. He does that to me all the time. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. All right. It's I like, you know, recording. what did he, did he say? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Hosts are always the worst behaved on other people's shows. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. No shit about else. Well, yeah. Thank you, Neil and John. Welcome to our Zoom hangout with the uh, OLSC Madison crew. We've got a good group of uh, the, um, the the guys. Um, and uh and girls i fucked that up shouldn't have said that um of everyone who's been normally doing that zoom calls we've been doing it during the week um uh since uh, april 1st actually um but that is not a joke um and it's been a great uh way to see everyone and still uh, stay connected even though we haven't got the football um so yeah neil atkinson john gibbons from the oh. Apple rep who kindly uh, joined us today um hey. for a chat and so, like I said before, like um, you can keep yourselves unmuted. I can mute you if there's too much background noise. Uh, hopefully, you can have a chat. We can have a, a laugh and a giggle, um, despite everything that's going on. So the only person to actually send me a uh, question ahead of time, as I asked, was uh, Sarah. So you get the honors, unless you uh, you guys want to introduce yourself uh, sort of formally, Neil and John. It's up to you. Uh... I'm Neil, uh, and John's John, and we do the on-field rap. There we go. Let's do the questions. Okay, well, I'll, I'll guess. I'll, my, my, mine are completely sort of banal. But I've, we were in South Bend, and it was the weather was awful. And actually, was, you just were reading Milner's book today. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. and and the the comment about you know he he he'll take any weather except for hot and humid like South Bend. How did it compare to Madrid? Because we keep being told how hot Madrid was. Was was hot? Was Madrid hotter than South Bend, or was it the other way around? Or Notre Dame? One job. Um, I think, I think um, South Bend felt hotter um, to me. I think there just didn't seem to be any escape from it because it's sort of where we were. Um, I spent a lot of the day in the in the car park because that's where the alcohol was. Uh, <laughs> and car parks aren't known as shady places, are they? Um, so Madrid, it sort of felt like I could always go somewhere and, and cool off for a little bit, always go somewhere and sort of, you know, as I say, like go into somewhere air-conditioned, where the South Bend, that wasn't an option. So we did um, like an outdoor performance thing, me and Neil, uh, on, on a stage uh, in an alcohol-free zone. Um, so fair play to anyone who came. Um, but um, I was just genuinely worried about my laptop overheating. Like I was like, this, this, you know, <laughs> sort of get in and get out here, Neil, uh, yeah. see how it goes. It was very, very hot, I remember. And it was one of the few where... We might have spent longer than ten minutes in the uh, in the press box, Neil. It was it had air conditioning. It was absolutely punishing on stage, and also what happened was that the the the, the, the former players were on after us and they were late. So basically, oh, uh, yeah, we, thought we, we, longer, doing, yeah. we thought we were doing fifty <laughs> minutes. They arrived. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we thought we were doing fifty minutes, and we ended up doing about ninety, which was in general sort of good for the shows in general because. A lot of the stuff we've been playing with, we just sort of had the opportunity to do and to try out and to see how it fit. So that was actually quite good. In terms of, like, I think it's really interesting. The thing about Madrid is it kicked off at 9pm. So one of the reasons why you refer to how hot it is is because it's a massive surprise. Like, it was 9pm and it was 30 degrees. Oh, so wow. I suspect if you were James Milner, like South Bend was probably hotter in terms of the sun aggressively beating down on you. But Madrid, 
like there was no breeze, not least because it's a stadium, but also there just was no breeze in general. So there was no sort the air just wasn't moving and it was completely close and still. So I think it I think that was a thing. And I think that, you know, so in terms of it being sort of punishing, I think that, you know, the the, the feel of the heat uh, in South Bend will have been massive. But the flip side is I think for Madrid, for the players, it will have been so, so close and, you know, we're struggling to catch your breath territory because I just couldn't get over uh, the heat of Madrid. Whereas, you know, you're in the United States, it's the height of summer. You're not surprised if you sort of, and it's, and it's an afternoon, you're not surprised that it's absolutely boiling hot. Whereas in Madrid, it was like, in Madrid, you're a bit like, surely it shouldn't be this hot now, it's 9pm, but it was. Okay, thanks. Um, I, I did have a follow-up question referring yeah. to Andy Heaton's, you know, his Twitter feed has been killing me throughout this lockdown because I, we're, we're stuck here in Wisconsin and he keeps, just pass on to him. His roast dinners look absolutely amazing. <laughs> You'll love that. Yeah, I, I mean... I, <laughs> it's like food porn. <laughs> I mean, time. you've got view porn there, though, where you are. <laughs> like, look how gorgeous that is. I love your setup. Like, I'm, I'm just, in, I'm like, just hoping an eagle might fly down. You know. Oh, if you know. if you do, please shout so you come back <laughs> on my screen and I'm not like looking at Bryn or whatever. Uh, I want to see that. That is that is uh, that looks it looks like Wisconsin to me uh, as somebody's not been. Um, yeah, that's yeah, beautiful. Sarah, so thanks so where much exactly for that. are you two? Well, we're, we're up at, back up at the cabin. We we were down in Madison for a week, and then we thought, oh, we'll we'll head because he can work from home, so he can work from the cabin. So it's, where is and it's the such cabin? A gorgeous type. So it's um, northern Wisconsin. Yeah, where it's is about, northern Wisconsin? about 30, thirty miles south of Lake Superior. Okay. Yeah. So Lake Superior is a good name, isn't it? That's like well marketed. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is, is that reminds me of John. I always think of you when I'm driving out, not that way, but like, I remember you talking about Eau Claire once. That's in Wisconsin. Anyone been to Eau Claire? Anyone from Eau Claire on the call? Do you remember that, John, on the rider? No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> we, talk, we, talk, we talk a lot. Yeah. I'm just like, I, just, I, I, I really wish they'd, they'd committed completely and had like Lake Inferior. <laughs> yeah, Lake Erie, I think, would be that. That would be a that would be a British name, wouldn't it? While we're on the topic of travel, I guess one of my questions for you gentlemen would be where's probably the furthest and most exotic place you've traveled to cover Liverpool? Melbourne? Yeah, we did Melbourne. Melbourne. Wow. Yeah. Did you stay along in Australia or did you spend much time down there outside of covering? We so we 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 arrived into Australia and it was twenty. It was the summer of twenty thirteen. It was it was a crazy thing to do, and a lot of things had to go our way for us to be able to do it. But we didn't just go to Australia. We went with a lot of people. Uh, there was about sort of ten of us because we we took T Street. In fact, more than ten. We took T Street and we took um, we took um, uh, it's Chris from Silent Sleep. Um, so it was lovely to be honest with you. It was like one of the best weeks of our lives. But we did two days in Sydney and. When we arrived in Australia, we were picked up by a guy who was looking after us there, and he's from the UK originally. And his advice, we we landed at seven AM, was was drink until you feel as though you've got to go to bed. Uh, so we landed at seven AM, and we basically started drinking and had bacon butties at half eight. And we were just the worst people imaginable to give that advice to, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> like my last memory before I went to bed that night was was John with his top off on the dance floor with Chris from Silent Sleep, and it was three thirty <laughs> in the morning. So we just like we just all we've done is kick the problem down the road. We literally landed and then stayed up for twenty three hours. Um, so, like, I don't remember being in Sydney 
if you ask me any, like we did a live show, oh, fucking hell. If you ask me anything about Sydney, all I remember is one long straight road that bisects all of it and walking up and down it, mostly drunk, to be honest with you. Uh, we had Craig Johnson. It was our first live show. But we then did five days in Melbourne, and the five days in Melbourne were terrific. And I can remember the five days in Melbourne. Um, and we did a live show in the end in front of a 1,000 people the night before Liverpool played a pre-season friendly, and that was great. Uh, but we did a number of shows in Melbourne as well. We did like a couple of smaller things and we had a really good time. And in general, like we really buzzed off Melbourne and, not, and that's, so that's not to say that Melbourne or Sydney, which one's better, but like we basically got to spend more time as humans in Melbourne and we found Brunswick street and uh, loads of just cool stuff uh, that we really, really liked. And, and we had a great, a great time there. It was, it was magic to do, to do Australia. It really was. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you said the most furthest away and exotic. Uh, I mean, Australia is the furthest away from us, but obviously, you know, fairly similar in terms of culture and stuff like that. Uh, in terms of very different, we did uh, the Hong Kong tour in, uh, when was that, 2017? Did we get to Hong Kong? Yeah, because we've done America the last two years. So yeah. the one before that was, was Hong Kong, and that was uh, a more interesting one. Um, so we did a live show um, there and we, did, we stopped in Dubai and did one and, and that was fine and then we went to uh, Hong Kong and did, and did the show and yeah it went pretty well but uh, everyone sits very politely and listens in Hong Kong whereas um, obviously I've got a, f- a few people who've, who've been to our live shows on here um, certainly in Detroit uh, there wasn't a lot of sitting and listening politely um, so um, it's very different you know the most extreme is, is Ireland for that uh, in Ireland they buy a ticket and very much feel like they're part of the show and um, we'll, we'll tell you exactly what you think at all points um, you know um, and, I mean you know you guys are on sort of you know quiet either we encourage it you know what I mean it's meant to be a party after all but in Hong Kong you know was, there was a lot of sitting politely and, and that's a bit disconcerting for someone like me who who judges um, you know the, the quality of a live show by how early I get naked in it um, <laughs> that was kind of like a little bit of a uh, but, but people said they liked it afterwards. Um, so, so yeah. But Hong Kong was 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 a challenging one, really, because everyone was just jet like like we just couldn't shake it. Like everyone who we spoke to was covering it was, and we only went out me and Gareth, so it was like a small team, um, and we sort of managed to pull it off. But it was it was it was quite a tricky one, and then the weather was just insane, like. You know, it was rainy season, but you know, it'd just be, it'd be, it'd be lovely weather one minute, and then like ten minutes later, it'd be torrential rain just out of nowhere, and so you'd always felt like you were, you know, one wrong turn if you like away from getting absolutely soaked. I don't know the team found it really tricky, and Jurgen didn't enjoy it one bit. Um, but you know, it was it was a, it was a fun place to go to. Uh, we were just always tired and wet. <laughs> Um, anyone else? Want, I have one. Unless anyone else wants to jump in, I'll jump in then. Uh, I was listening to the uh, Arnold Origi, um podcast you did, and it like I was uh, I was tearing up a little bit. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I wondered if you had any other favourite like sort of heart rendering moments uh, following the club. Yeah. Um, so for those that don't know, um, I met a guy in Madrid who'd been given a ticket for the game by Arnold Origi, who was Divock's cousin. Um, and he basically lent someone a phone charger 
and didn't realise it was Divock's cousin as a way of saying thank you. We give him a ticket for the match, which is is, is quite a thank you. Um, you can imagine that this guy now never leaves a house without a phone charger uh, because he never sort of knows, you know, what he's going to get for it. Um, but it was a really nice story, and I, and I spoke to him and I spoke to another guy called Lee who'd um, who'd been given. Who, who, who travelled over and only had one ticket and there was three of them and he was with his son and his daughter and it looked like he was going to have to send his daughter in because I think she was 17 and he, him and his lad were going to kind of sit outside and, and watch it uh, and, then, and then Arnold kind of give them two as well and this is the story around Divock giving, having some tickets and I think Arnold Origi who is a footballer as well up in, in Scandinavia, which is obviously uh, got a lot of Liverpool fans wanted to give them to his teammates. He supported Liverpool, and and Divock said, "No, take them out there. There's a family. I'm, I've got this vision of this family who who need these tickets. That you're going to give them to." And then he did. So so we told their story. And then I went to Helsinki and spoke to Arnold, and he was just an incredible guy, like very, um, I'd say spiritual, very kind of. Um, you know, aware of his surroundings and, and, and all of our place in the world and stuff. And it was, he was just a, a really kind of interesting guy to kind of speak to about, about this experience from, from his point of view. So I'm glad you liked it, Brent. It was a lot of fun to do. Yeah. Um, when did you go, John? Like when? It was a while ago. Oh, okay. um, I was going to ask what it's everybody? like traveling during everybody? lockdown. <laughs> I went in, a, in February, I think. Yeah. I remember being cold and dark. Um, that doesn't narrow it down though does it (laughs) i know yeah yeah but particularly cold and dark like uh, the night before i went out the night before so i was like on on the um on the ground if you like and met with a subscriber up there who sort of like said i'd take me out for a couple of beers and like there was just no one around and he said like basically like people hibernate in the winter in finland and he said like you know in the summer it's great but in the winter he said, especially if you're single, it could be quite like, because at least if you've got a party, you can like book up together, really. But he said it could be quite sort of, you know, Probably tough, really. Very like lockdown for single people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They've, they're well experienced. Yeah, yeah. They've been doing it every every winter. Um, so, so yeah, so I went out in February and spoke to him and it just, it took us a little while to pull together because um, we had other stuff we were working on and it was a bit of an edit and stuff like that. And then we just decided once it got to that far, we'll, we'll, we'll release it for the for the Madrid kind of anniversary. Yeah. Um, in terms of like other ones, I think, um, I'm trying to think about like other people's like stories. I enjoyed doing the, um, the player profile stuff. So we've started looking at players who are in the squad and their journeys to Liverpool. And so we've released two at the moment. We've released Firmino's and Andy Robertson's. And Andy Robertson's was really fun because we just went up to Glasgow and spoke to some guys who coached him when he was seven. Um, so when he started out uh, at um, a place called Gifnock, um, and that was really interesting. Just to, And then we spoke to a guy, um, for those who don't know, Andy Robertson was a Celtic, which is his boyhood club, and got released when he was 16 because they, they thought he was too small. Um, so they released him. So he ended up getting picked up by Queen's Park, which is um, a, a, an amateur club. That's got a really the the players in in the um in the in the football tier. I think they're, they're in the third or fourth tier in Scotland, um. But it's still an amateur team, and they've all but they've got a really good reputation for for sort of youth development. So I spoke to a guy who played with them, 
there at Queen's Park and then they both signed for Dundee United on the same day and so they moved together so we played with them at two clubs and it was just nice hearing their stories because they were just so proud of like their friend um, and you know the, the guy the guys who, who, who coached him you know they can always say that they had a small part in the development of a and now a Champions League, well, world champion, isn't he? They apologise. Um, so they, they can say that they had a small part to pay in this guy who's now a world champion. And, and and yeah, why not? You know, they should be proud of that. And then, and then his friend Aiden, who's now playing at Falkirk, who are third tier um, in Scotland. Um, and we went to, to their ground because they, they traded the, 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 on the pitch there and was just spoke to him. And, you know, for, for, he, used to, he used to share the room. Uh, with Andy Robertson, he used to tell stories about him in, in talking in his sleep and all that, and and just and now you know, as I say, like he's gone on into this amazing thing. And so it's a, you forget that before because we because we think of these guys as superstars and you know these amazing footballers, but before that, you know, there is a story, and and it was nice to hear them, and it was nice to see just how delighted everyone who'd been in his life that we spoke to like was, particularly for Andy Robertson. Um, so that was really nice. It made you sort of love him even more and be even more happy like, that he played for Liverpool. Have you got any, Neil? In terms of sort of... It's it's a funny one, really, because, you know, doing the shows, it's it's sort of what grabs you. Like, I remember when Adam Smith talked about his, the shift in his relationship over the course of the season because of his illness um, and that how that impacted the way in which he saw the football club. And, I, you know, that was genuinely firstly moving and secondly really quite insightful. And, you know, to, to get that from what I thought was just going to be a season review was 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 quite, you know, was quite, well, pleasing is, is the wrong way to phrase it, but something that's a little bit different. And and I think at times those stories are the stories which which matter, you know, the the, the, the personalised stuff from from just individual supporters and, and how they, you know, see see the game, see the club, and also then people being able to not find, you know, not have the same story because all of ours are different, but find commonality in it. And, and Adams was a really good example of someone where where football had really really helped him through and, and given him a bit of structure and a bit of context for, for, for what he was about. And so that was that was a really good one. And we've you know we've had a few of them from different from different contributors over the time. And I, I you know I like I like those ones because I think that the sheer drama of, of 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 people who are who are involved in football is is one thing, but ultimately what we talk about is sort of our own drama, um, and it's, it's it's a little bit separate. So that all those ones are the ones I like. It's awesome. Tom, do you want to ask your question or one of them? Uh sure. So. Um... I'm, I'm assuming you guys know what's going on with our country right now and the society. Uh, I was just wondering how you guys, how other parts of the world view the United States right now, besides us being a laughing stock. But other than that, <laughs> I mean, no one in England is able to, when the UK is able to, to laugh at anyone. Unfortunately, um, we have similar, we're not similar issues, but similarly our own issues and, and you know the the person in in uh, in charge of our country and leading our country is very similar to yours. He's just got a posher accent, but it certainly <laughs> it, it, it certainly doesn't make him smarter or or particularly um, you know less kind of you know easier palatable, um, shall we say? 
Yeah, but anyway, do you, do you, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's huge. I'm I'm really interested in. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just before Neil comes in, I, I'm really interested in why, like this particular incident has uh, has exploded the way it has, um, and I haven't got an answer for that. And maybe one of you guys can sort of enlighten me on it, or has, or has got your own sort of theories. But you know, we see the numbers of the, of the people who die in in police. Uh, custody each year and it's huge and you know it's not just in america you know i was reading stories about something you know in brazil about a 14 year old which is just crazy and we have our own issues here of course um you know not quite to the same levels but but certainly you know we speak to black people in 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 this city and and their general views of, of policing you know isn't great and so it is interesting to me why this particular incident people have just decided that is enough um and sometimes there is a, a moment i was hoping it'd be grenfell in this country and um, grenfell was 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 a tower that burned down um Kill in, killing predominantly uh, black people, not not 100%, but, um, you know, and and it was because it wasn't safe, basically, and they were given bad advice, and also people put profit before people, and there was an outcry in this country, and it was strong, and I was hoping it would be a, a, a turning point, and unfortunately, um, it wasn't effectively. Uh, it went away, and the, the same government who voted in again, Um so so we'll we'll see hopefully this does bring lasting change hopefully the the sort of anger and protest we're seeing now kind of do lead us to to sort of all to demand a, a kind of a better society really but but to answer sort of your question yes we're very aware it's it's a huge story there's protests in liverpool um there's protests all up and down the country um as part of the black lives matter movement and but yeah there's there's certainly no um feeling of of any kind of superiority here quite the opposite uh, we, we it, it, it's, a, it's a worldwide issue it's a worldwide problem and we keep putting the wrong people in charge to sort it out mm. sorry neil you were trying again all right um i agree with everything that you said i think uh, you know john's right to say that while there are the, you can draw parallels between between the two the, the the two countries and other countries, and you know, but there are sort of quite sort of distinct differences. But what's important is to say that you know, race, in terms of how it interacts in British society, is as um, you know, is as I would argue as unequal as it is in the United States, and is as much of an issue. It's it's more insidious, I think. It's fair to say in in, in Britain, and I think it's a bit more hidden in the way in which it operates at times but i think it is there i think it's present and i think it's present both in a conscious and in an unconscious way i think it happens to everyone there aren't enough black people on the on-field rap frankly um something that me and john have both spoke about spoke about privately and said in public in the past you know and it's for us to sort of try to engage with them and we've you know we, we have uh, but we can always do more and i think that that's the main thing to sort of take is that i think everyone's got to go sort of go through a period and and someone someone emailed me because we hadn't said anything on social and, and someone said i was quite disappointed you hadn't and but the, re- the reason why there was a couple of reasons why one was that the sort of the speed of it sort of took it a bit on the hop but actually like organizations can corporately say things but it's all going to be about actions and it's about what you do and it's also about amplification of other voices uh, and that's what we're trying to be about as much as possible and always want to be about not just in reference to specifically this and specifically now but in general so it's it's as much it's more about what you do and it will always be more about what you do and so a, a bit of time to think reflect but also then try to do good things good work uh, make good decisions 
in the context of it all is 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 the important part. So, you know, I think that's what worth worth us all dwelling on. Um, and certainly those of us who are part business owners of of majority sort of what well completely white owned businesses to sort of think well how do we you know how do you be the change rather than just say well there's got to be some change how do you actually act um and that's the important part i think and that is a global thing that is not just a you know a bike you know that is a global thing it isn't just a a thing that 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 impacts the united states and i think that if you know i I don't know how that all that's going to end and i think that the more and more that you read about the way in which the police um is legally different police forces are legally able to operate in different spheres in the united states as that information's coming out and 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 taking the vast majority of it on relative face value it's actually frankly a bit terrifying um because you know i mean i don't trust the police and i'm a middle-class white fellow from liverpool who's 39 and i don't trust the police uh and 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 nothing is going to make me uh to be quite honest with you so the idea that if you're in any way shape or form a marginalized or vulnerable person and you were left with, you know, the, the, the sort of exposed to the police, you know, it'd be, it'd be frankly terrifying. And again, you know, you can say, we can't, we can't, we've got to think about that. And we've got to think about sort of what happens when you, when you create gang mentalities and there's loads and loads and lo- before you even look at American society, there's loads and loads and loads of examples of that amongst English society, including one that's always held close by, by Liverpool supporters, but, you know that that is something which is ongoing. There's there's all the stuff around Stephen Lawrence in the UK. There's there's loads and loads of examples, loads and loads of bits and pieces. There's you know um, John Charles de Mendes, Ian Tomlinson. There's lots and lots of reasons. It's it, the the the, uh, the problem, and I, and I think that people until they sort of experience it, I think it's difficult for them to understand. But I think in general, like it is rational not to trust the police, and that is something which, as I say, I think for there's a large chunks of all of our societies where that just feels completely ridiculous like how could that be the case for a variety of different reasons but one is sort of lack of ongoing exposure to this whereas for me that is a a pretty rational position to hold and so how you reconcile those two realities is something which i think is really difficult and it's one of the reasons why round the corner you know in a much more extended way why people who broadly agree with me keep losing at the ballot box to people who broadly don't and and I'm, i'm not quite sure how a lot of this stuff gets bridged um and so i you know i hope it i hope there is a change uh you know like i hope there's a positive change but i'm i'm not you know i'm I'm not i'm not that hopeful um without sounding ridiculously bleak and not that's not just for the united states it's also for as i say for other places as well like you know we're not winning an election before 2030 over here to worry about it um you know we're just not going to and there's a variety of reasons for that but and that's you know so and there's only so long people can handle getting beat for well, thanks, guys. But uh, just to be clear, John got to my point. My, the laughing stock comment. Obviously, there's nothing funny about this, but he got he no. hit the nail on the head. The laughing stock comment was about our government's response to all this. And no, I know, I know, I know. And I'm just, I'm okay. just saying. You know, I understood your point. I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, unfortunately, not in a not in a, a high enough position. Uh, <laughs> sort of judge. It was my was my point. I, I wasn't at all yeah. thinking you were being flippant, mate. I was just saying that um, you know, don't think that. Don't think that we're, we're, you know, that unfortunately, us in the UK are in a, a, a position to judge anyone. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That was yeah. That was amazing. Thank you. I think um, with what you're saying, like, thank fuck for camera phones because yeah, that trust mm-hmm. uh, because you just, I mean, you know what wouldn't have happened if it wasn't on camera. 
and so sort of yeah but what i'd say on that is but it, there's now a load of beha- suggestion that actually the existence of camera phones hasn't profoundly or deeply changed behavior because yeah, still behavior still happening and it's getting yeah. filmed so and that's why that's why my outlook's quite bleak in that what's happening is more more people are sort of feeling negatively towards it because they're getting to see it for the first time but that behavior has just been ongoing but it but the actual the idea that this is being filmed hasn't changed behaviors um does it change the outcomes though maybe i don't well, we'll have to see i mean we'll have to see in this instance but in general yeah. you know there's no you know again sort of bringing it back to uk examples you, you, the, the 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 death of ian tomlinson still remains to me one you know one to think about he was basically just shoved on the street um there's been no yeah. there's been no structural change there's been no consequential change there was one officer but when everybody told lies you know, the, the, there was no there was no steps to change things in a structural sense, and that's the key. Because the key question here isn't sort of about specific individual moments, although there are some instances of that, and there's some interesting people around that, and there are some officers who seem to be capable of of, of untold stuff, and there will always be some good kind police, and there always will be, and that there's some good kind people. But the whole thing about this is structural change, and if there isn't structural change, if there's individuals because you've got those people filmed, then well, it it helps. But what the change that sort of needs to be is structural. I think I agree because the idea that it's a few bad apples is totally rubbish, isn't it? Because if that was true, then they would have been this thing. It would it would be solved internally, but clearly. Well, and the phrase is a few bad apples spoils the. uh, Oh wait, can't remember the last word. The bunch, bunch, bunch. Bunch There we go. So there we go. So just saying, it's a few bad apples. The whole point in that phrase is that says it's the whole system. Yeah. But anyway, oh, I, mean, yeah, I, I agree. You, you also look at who's attracted to the police because you remember all the dickheads you were at school with who. She <laughs> said that. that, that on with any great Dead on it. <laughs> in, right. I grew up in Leeds in the in the seventies and eighties, and the way the police behaved towards the miners' strike. I mean, Thatcher yep. just politicised them, and you were at school with the I, sons of I grew up police. in the south. I had yep. lots of friends whose parents were police. You know, and they got their Audi cars because they were policing the minor strike. The, I mean, the Thatcher government in the 70s, when it came in, decided to pay police more as a political decision to get them on side. And you said politi- Trump's doing that as well. Uh, yeah, so I know. I think that it's going to be, well, fascinating, concerning, all that stuff, as to how that plays into the election that's coming in the next, you know, the end of this year. The police... Uh, I mean, you, they are politicized, I think, by, by and large, but that's, there's a lot of, it's a complex situation, but there's a lot of stuff in play, really, for the next the next few elections, or at least the next one coming up. Also, Absolutely. Um, like, um, we, I find it weird how every, like, city or town or whatever has their own police force. Yeah, so, like, and you can, like, move between them, and some are, like, so small that, they don't get trained. Like, there's so vast, like, uh, differences in training between the different ones. Mm. Yeah, and so, some are elected yeah. positions too, right? Where yeah, you, and yeah. Like the sheriffs are. Yeah. Just, weird. I find it so weird. Like, you could just, like, say I live in Fitchburg, which is like a suburb of Madison. It's like got, not got its own identity at all. Like, it's just, it's just like part of Madison. It just happens to, like, technically be a different city and they got a completely different everything. Like it just it just seems like so strange. I don't know. I guess because everything's independent, so it's not linked up. So goes back to your point, Neil. Yeah, yeah. We're just one big mess over here. <laughs> <laughs> Polluted system of wires and yeah. tangled web. 
Um, anyone else want to say anything on on this, or uh, I, anyone else want, want to jump in with another question? I mean, I have I a, a side question, oh. but it's unrelated. Oh, Pete, go for it. Oh, I was going to make a non-food related question. And, oh, go uh, for it then. So really, <laughs> I, I guess, um, well, really, it was about the you know the Premier League's been going twenty years, and um, the really, I think a lot of people would say we're at risk, or there is a an evolution towards a European Super League, which is based around TV money. And, and I w wanted to have your comments on whether you think that's inevitable or likely to happen and what will, how, my feeling is it's going to destroy the, the, the way that football is with locality and, um, you know, the tradition. What do you think of the, the risks at play for, a, for that sort of Euro European League? Um, Neil, Neil, do you want to go? Because you've been doing a lot on this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that, that all this crisis is arguably I think brought us closer to the idea of a European Super League at some stage. I think that the the health crisis will have knock on effects around that, which aren't, um, which ultimately the, the 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 Premier League, the the lower Premier League teams are playing a very dangerous game for a period, and I think I'm glad they've sort of backed away. But one of those was, you know, if if they if they were prepared to sort of act relentlessly in their own interests, then they were going to struggle uh, in the long run to to keep getting sort of uh, the collective bargaining stuff through in the, in the Premier League sense around TV deals. But in general, I think that we are ever closer towards uh, the point where the bigger clubs in each country feel as though there's more money. To there's talk of adding another four Champions League games in somewhere into the schedule. Um, there is the idea that you know to, to to what end to what purpose do Liverpool play Burnley? Um, it's a, it's a valid question in a strange way, but also it's it's in part because well because the league exists and we think that that league is the most important or certainly the most important possible domestic one. But I think it is possible, and I think it's something which different people have different reactions to. I mean, I think you can make a pretty reasonably strong argument that, for instance, if you were to start things from first principles, you'd consider uh, the idea of regional. European leagues that led towards a Super League. It, one of the, you know, there's talk, there's been talk for years that Belgium and Holland will just basically form a league together, um, as an example. That and if you follow that through logically, Belgium and Holland formed together. I, if I was Celtic or Rangers, I'd want to be in that league uh, because one of the, the issues that Celtic and Rangers have got is who they play when and the knock-on effects and television deals and so on and so forth. Uh, because nobody really cares about Celtic versus Saint Mirren. As, as, just as a general point, but they care about Celtic Rangers and they care about Celtic versus Ajax. Uh, the problem that all of that has is that one of, the, one of the reasons why we love football is rarity. So you've got rarity in terms of the number of goals that are scored in a game and rarity in terms of one of the reasons why you love European football is that you don't play Barcelona every year. You actually only play them one in every five and people like that sort of thing as well. And I think that long term, I think it would be damaging. Um, but I think it's, it's something which... It's, it's part of the reason why football needs better leadership. That's both better leadership at the Premier League level and better leadership at, you know, at an FA level and better leadership at a UEFA level is to be able to tell stories to football clubs as to how, how this coexistence happens, but how it's in mutual interest. And one of the issues at the moment is I think that the language around mutual interest sort of got lost. And it's now nearly 30 years since the Premier League was founded. Now, remembering the fact that association football's really only been going in league form for about 120, 130. That's actually a quarter of the time the things existed. So yeah. what I'm sort of saying is we're not that far. You know, it's, it's always worth remembering that we are further away now 
Um, I'm just checking right on the maths on this, but I think I am. We are further away now, or broadly speaking, as far away now from the foundation of the Premier League as the foundation of the Premier League was from Bill Shankly arriving at Liverpool. And we sort of view that as ancient history in a strange way or as the beginning of something, but way back in the mists of time. But that's how long these periods actually are. So I think that the, I think that the game is ripe for change, ripe for reorganisation. There's loads of ways in which you can protect more clubs if you begin to have a leadership plan that makes sense. I'm hugely concerned about the future for lots of clubs in League One and League Two. I spoke at Berry before the last election where they've lost a club. Uh, and I think, that, I think that more clubs will go. Uh, in part as a result of this crisis, but would have gone anyway over the next 10 or 15 years if there wasn't structural change. So I think, I think it's really important, but there is no one, there is no figure uh, within English football um, who's capable of driving it uh, from the outside looking in. And there's no one who's capable of, of being able to explain to clubs how there's increased mutual self-interest uh, is far better than chasing individual interests. And football's not really set up to have that sort of figure. And the FA isn't fit for purpose and should be abolished. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um... More bleakness. Honestly, I've got a great, I've got a great <laughs> penalty team at Werner. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, we were going to ask about that. Yeah, sure. uh, Aaron, do you? Um, and then I'll go to Maria. Aaron, I see you there, and I, I know you dropped off. But if you have a question, I don't. I want to grab you while you're on. You've met John before. Yeah, I met John <laughs> and Neil. Um, I met both of them while I was at the Anfield Rap, and that was just an amazing experience. But then, um, I kind of just wanted to give you how the. Uh, the live show in Chicago ended for me because I haven't been able to tell this story to these guys. But, um, so after I had to obviously come back for work, um, the next morning. So I left, after I left you guys, I ended up walking out to where my car was supposed to be parked and found out that I had parked in an area that only went until 1130. And so I got out there at about, I don't know, 1145 and my car had been towed. Wow. More bleakness. <laughs> So I ended up having to go and get uh, go to uh, find the impound. Ended up getting a car out of the impound and then driving back up to to Madison that night. I called my boss or I sent a text to my boss. I said, "Listen, I didn't sleep very well tonight, so I told him I was going to be in an hour later." But uh, still, given all that, it was uh, completely worth it, and I really just wanted. <laughs> You're very kind. <laughs> I really I've done it all over again when I thought I got down there and just getting to see you guys in person and talk to you and and also the uh, the other lads that were there. I just want to say thank you for uh, all you guys do because it is really it is difficult for um, people who aren't in Liverpool or don't get to go to Liverpool all the time to get the feel of it. And you guys, like you guys say, it's the view of Liverpool from the heart of the city, and that's really what it is, and that helps. I think it helps a lot of us um, get the feel of it and feel like we're part of something as well, even though we're thousands of miles away. So I just want to say a big cheers and a big thanks to you guys. I don't know how long my service is going to last out here. Um, <laughs> that's that's really kind. No, we just quick. I mean, you know, we appreciate that, and that's what we try. What's genuinely what we try to do is when people say we achieve it, we're really pleased. Aaron, the other thing to say is you had a hectic time afterwards. Uh, we didn't have a PA for that show until about thirty minutes beforehand. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty fraught on our side beforehand, but it got sorted in the end, and it was. A it was funny as well because like 
we went to South Bend to the open train and uh, the rest yeah. of us and then Neil stayed and I think Neil said he had this nice leisurely like early evening I was going to look at Chicago I was going to have a walk around <laughs> I was going to get to know the gaff <laughs> whereas instead he just ended up like trying to find the PA in a city he'd never been to and just having this kind of really stressful time and it all got sorted but it was funny like watching watching Neil's uh, lovely lovely early evening Chicago plans just absolutely destroyed that horrible thunderstorm in Chicago that morning as well wasn't there I don't know whether you witnessed that no yeah we couldn't go we we couldn't leave Uh, (laughs) we were stuck in we were stuck in in the room for ages as well but yeah I'll just go to the venue I'll sort the venue out don't worry about it lads thinking I'll pop in uh, have a drink in the venue, uh, chat to everyone, and then just mooch around downtown Chicago. And then instead, it became, oh, uh, the, me ringing Craig. Craig, they're saying here that we've got to sort our own PA. Is that right? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that was that? Is that? Uh, but everyone just did the best, and we got a result in the end. So yeah, uh, that, that's all it. Was that. fantastic, and it was a great evening. And even though I had to walk around Chicago and use my uh, my data to try and find a. Uh, <laughs> where the impound actually was i had no idea uh, where it was. i feel bad like yeah. don't feel bad. that was amazing i mean i got a great story out of it now and <laughs> yeah there we go now yeah, you know where it is for next time always right? the anecdote <laughs> yeah, that time, chicago reminds me chicago, if i ever need to ever need to know where my car is i know exactly where to go now so <laughs> chicago reminds me of one of my heart rendering stories of um when when i uh, uh you know kevin from chicago like uh we started a, a footy team uh, for like uh, Liverpool supporters, uh, we all played in the kit. Very, very, uh, very fun. Uh, and now he's married to one of the other uh, uh, players on the team, and they have a kid together. So it's, oh, uh, this is really cool, uh, bringing us together. Uh, anyway, uh, Mari, would you like to ask your question? And then John, if you'd like to expand on that question. Sure. Um, so, I mean, we all kind of track time and that by watching sport, um, and I think this all stopped as the high point came when we were you know thinking about what we were going to do when we won the league on which day and whatever um so i'm kind of wondering how you guys feel as people who for a living spend time scheduling and talking about sport um what this sort of long pause means um how you're experiencing it and sort of what's going to happen now that we're about to pop back in it allegedly um and have to sort of get back into the, well, we might win the league today sort of feeling after not doing anything for ages. Yeah, and then John, John, not, not Gibbons. What do <laughs> yeah, you... I'm just kind of going off that a little bit. Also, just how does all the kind of rest of it going around play into that feeling and getting back into the swing of things with empty stadiums, uh, potentially neutral venues they've been talking about for the some of the potential title clinching matches, stuff like that. How does that affect the feeling of getting back into things and and potentially winning the league this very much feels your area as well again neil (laughs) (laughs) just just a quick i think i think i think this is as it always was always will be it's what we make it but also you don't win the league just at the moment when the final whistle goes well on the on the game where you've got enough points you win the league when you win at leicester and you win the league at home against man united and you win the league in all these other games you win the league when you win 27 out of 29 that's when you win the league really so I'm quite, you know, I think, and we've got to hold on to that. We've got enough feelers that we had something taken from us because we haven't. We will always have, you know, Sadio Mane's flick header against Aston Villa. And I wasn't at Aston Villa. Uh, I watched it with Steve Graves and we ended up rolling around uh, on the carpet of his, of his front room floor. Uh, you know, not dissimilar to, um, to, 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 to Oliver Reed and Women in Love. 
um, <laughs> for the teenagers there. And, and there is, you know, there is something I think about that's that it's that it's all those things that add up. So what we can't do is feel feel hard done to in that. I think it's different in that now these nine games almost stand alone and they're a bit weird. And there'll also be it now, like in the same way that people, there's a lot of people being legitimately irritated about the, the Werner stuff, and I understand why. I sort of disagree in a couple of different senses because of the wider context, but I completely understand it. As I say, it's a completely legitimate annoyance. But the flip side of that is that if that just happens in February, the whatever, when you're you know you're four months away from you know, well you're, you're four months away from the summer and you're just a couple of games away from winning the league, then it, it it doesn't piss people off anywhere near as much. But because it now sort of feels weirdly like we've sort of started something that sees us move into next season, then it obviously has more of an impact. So. I, I think all of that's the thing. It's what we've got. It, it is what we make it, and it's going to be what we make it in a lockdown scenario. What we make, how we, how we enjoy it, and there is an opportunity here as well. You know, there's a lot of people who have a casual interest in in, in soccer and football, uh, both in in the United Kingdom and also in other countries, and we can bring them with us. You know, I will probably be in the same place as my wife when we win the league. So I've got to make her part of my we win the league plans. Whereas <laughs> had there not been a lockdown, I probably wouldn't have seen her but about a week after we won the league. So, but that's not necessarily a bad thing in that, you know, I did marry her. So, you know, there's no reason why she shouldn't actually be sort of part of this thing in my life. And that's just one example, but we've got them, you know, family members, children. We did the thing recently on the parade and the thing about the parade in Liverpool was loads and loads of families came out, loads of people with kids, loads of people you don't see at the match. And they came out because they're in Liverpool households. So now we have to be within our Liverpool households. And again, that's not a bad thing. One of the reasons why we love the parade is we get to spend time with all of those people. So that's it for me. And I think that that's, you know, so it's not, we just have to make the best of it in this context. The manager said there'll be a parade when we're good and ready. And I, I trust his word on that. And then, you you know, we then get ready and we, we start the next one. So, you know, for me, for me, they won the league when they won 4-0 at Leicester. Like I was there and I was so pleased to be there. I was so lucky to be there. Uh, but that's when, they, you know, that's when for me, I was watching them going, they're amazing. This is amazing. And we've just got to remember that, that just because there isn't going to be a moment when there's loads of people in the ground or something when they kick the ball on the goal to go 3-0 up and you think, well, that's that done. Well, we've had that already when Salah scored against Man United. Yeah, I think... Yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it's... From, a, day. Sorry. from <laughs> a sort of... It's all right. Uh, so from a sort of ampere of that point of view, it's been interesting, you know, last sort of six to nine months for us really and that lots of things have have happened which you know before they'd have happened if you just said would the unfair rap sort of survive that i'd have been like oh i'm not sure and so you know the idea of you know we have we've had a lot of problems with with our website and with our servers going down and things and, and took real real issues kind of getting those back up and, and then we basically had to give everything out for free for quite a long period of time um and that's obviously not great when you're charging people, but 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 people kind of stuck with us and, and still paid us and understood we were sort of trying our best really, and that was that was really great and and lovely and sort of humbling. Um, yeah, and in a similar situation, this is you know we we've obviously you know been building up as a business, but also as a fan base, you know, for this big moment of Liverpool winning the league and then to, to be you know, to be done effectively by a virus, you know, is is 
is tough and it's not just the, the removal of the football but the removal of everything we thought the Anfield rap was about which was getting together in groups um, talking about this Liverpool team talking about what they were doing um, and suddenly the football team weren't doing anything and we weren't able to get together and, and how do we sort of you know have a, a product or, a, or, a, or something that we're able to put out to people that they're able to enjoy and feel like they're getting value for money for uh, and we have and that's partly because of of our creativity but it's also partly because of um you know the loyalty of people who do sort of subscribe to us and 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 them going do you know what we're gonna stick with you we're gonna you know we're gonna you know keep keep paying our monthly fee and and keep paying our subscription and and keep enjoying kind of what you are putting out and and even people who've said look to be honest i haven't listened to any football stuff for ages because i'm finding it too difficult um but but i, I want to keep supporting you guys you know that is a lot and that is um fine well it's more than fine it's very generous and so so i think i think you know from a from a sort of tour point of view if you like uh which is you know where sort of maddie started with it i think it's been interesting i think it's been um sort of proof of our of our resilience if you like uh, which has been nice and i wouldn't like to see it tested in quite the same way again anytime soon <laughs> but if it is then at least you know it will will know that you know it, it takes a lot to um to knock us down as as well as uh the supporter base of this uh, of this wonderful football club yeah yeah i don't think the content has suffered at all it's some amazing stuff yeah we've been enjoying on this day Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, and, and well, actually, your, the, the football podcast have made a really nice contrast from all the sort of miserable political po- podcasts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Say what you want about Arsenal in '89, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on, I will say um, I thought of this part way through your answer, but to give a bit of credit to some of your rhetoric at the live shows, Neil. Um, during the period where it was kind of unclear whether or not the season would ever be finished. Um, I found myself thinking quite a lot about um, the times where you're talking about Liverpool fans being journey chasers um, rather than glory chasers and finding out how accurate that was because I was not nearly as gutted as I should have been (laughs) at the like thought that we might not finish the season sort of thing, which was strange. Yeah, I mean, it's, but it's also worth saying fair play to the side, and I expect them just to win the two games when they come back because of this. But, but the thing about them is, like, thank God they're just the twenty-five points clear and not nine. Yeah, yeah. if you know what I mean, like, like <laughs> genuinely. And if you'd have said, "Oh, you can be nine points clear with nine games to go," I'd have said, "Brilliant, take it, big ball of that." Thank you very much. Before the ball was kicked this season, but I think all of that helped us sort of relax a little bit. In that, you know, it was perfectly legitimate. Like, I had no problems going on Sky and basically having a laugh because my attitude was we've won this league don't waste my time uh, we're trying to act as though there's something contentious coming here uh, and I think that sort of having that and having that sort of that security because of the team and the quality of the team I think you know I, th- I, th- I think that's helped massively and when I was lucky enough to interview Jürgen the other day me and John spoke before and one of the things we said was we didn't want him to do loads of stuff about if it happens if it happens and it was interesting that for the first time he struck the note of not quite it's happened but he, he was very very bullish so I think that helps. And I think I think understanding that it is all a journey, like it's a journey into next season. I think that's hugely positive as well. And I think that that also, you know, keeps everyone keeps everyone moving forward. Yeah. All right. Like we have just to... win twenty. <laughs> yeah. I uh we have to wrap up then, but I wanted to ask real quick, um, 
um, I had a dream last night uh, about Genie Wijnaldum. Sadly, he did have on his shirt and he was actually in a very bad mood. I don't know what was going on. That's all I remember. Um, so I thought I'd ask, do, you, do any of you uh, have any um, funny or maybe sexy uh, Liverpool dreams? <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a constant, like, semi-recurring dream of being brought onto games to play right mid. Oh, nice. Uh, which was, oh. you say nice, but they were always anxiety dreams. No, they were anxiety they dreams. They weren't, like, they weren't like... Like they were often me sort of like not understanding how I've ended up in a situation where somebody wants me to play right mid for Liverpool and it's going to be tough. And I like had them over a period of time and it was, yeah, like none of them ended well, uh, at least in my sort of psyche. You know, there's not like a great one here where I'm going to say, and then I chipped it up and banged it into the top corner. No, no, no. They were mostly about like me getting through 15 to be hooked or something for some reason. Like I wanted to be subbed. Let's just not have anything happen for 15 minutes. So I used to have that. So I wish I, I mean, I wish I had sexy ones. Like a four-four-two, then. Yeah, pretty much four-two-three-one, <laughs> I think. But just put me right mid because I've got to make up the numbers. <laughs> just put them out there. It's a body. Yeah. What about you, John? Yeah, nothing quite as uh, as, as anxiety-driven as that, thankfully. Um, you know, but but nothing kind of you know mega fun either. You know, it'd be nice to be knocking in winners in dreams. You know, in in the last minute, it's normally just sort of you know watching it, and if it all feeling very real, and then having to remind yourself, you know, the next day that 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 it's not sort of <laughs> for, for whatever reason really. But yeah, um, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I dreamt we won this the six European Cup in Madrid. Maybe maybe that was all a dream. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> Anyone else have any? You, I mean, that you can talk about that are clean. Last night I had a really weird dream about being in motel. Uh, well, it's strange, like you not being in motel and, and us talking. To be honest with you, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I, I have to remind myself that you do live in another country. Uh, that the frequency I, I, I see you in bars in Liverpool. <laughs> All right. Well then, uh, thank you very much for coming on. That was amazing. So if, if you don't subscribe, um, I honestly would strongly recommend you do, uh, it's just brilliant stuff. And like Aaron said, um, just feeling way more part of it, uh, part of the, uh, the culture of Liverpool, uh, the culture around Liverpool football club, even though we're so far away and you bring us into that and uh, it just hearing the stories um even just the accents the authenticity and also uniqueness though of it all um i love it keep it up and and thank, thank you. you so so much for coming that's thank you. Uh, brilliant um thank you, you, you they Cheers. did they yes. did all this out of the goodness of their heart so if, if you uh i don't know buy merch on the uh, on the website or do you have any charities you'd like to us to think about if if, if we can obviously it's tight right now I mean, you've done me there. I was just about to say all merch is currently on sale, but then you threw the charity <laughs> angle in and now I feel bad. I mean, we'll always say that, you know, Fan Sport and Food Banks is a fantastic charity. Uh, it's easy to donate to and, you know, they, they need a lot of help at the moment, obviously. Uh, they collect a lot around football matches. Football matches aren't happening at the moment, um, so they're finding it tough. So Fan Sport and Food Banks uh, is a fantastic charity uh, and we'll be grateful for any support you can give them and all Ampere Wrap merch is also on sale at the moment. All right. 